0: One of the things that's been so prevalent for me during during the past few weeks, but especially right now, as we're visiting Empty Cloud, is loving kindness. There's it's been palpable and beautiful, and the Brahma Viharas in general. So I thought we would have another uh, guided meditation on the Brahma Viharas and this is probably the third week in a row for this. So for any of you who just want silence, hey, you have complete control over the mute button, I guess. (laughs) So it's up to you.
1: So finding a comfortable position with your back relatively straight. Getting a sense of your body and helping it to be as comfortable as you can in this in this present moment so that you can sit for a little while without stress mm-hmm. And the first step in this meditation is really to bring to mind loving kindness or metta, goodwill. It always feels to me like it's a bit more than goodwill. And we want to imbue the mind with this energy or feeling of meta. With the mind imbued or saturated with metta, however that might up for you, then pervading one quarter of the space where you're sitting or lying down. With that feeling, that energy, it's really amazing that as a human being, we can do this by just thinking it, filling the mind with metta, filling one quarter, pervading it with loving kindness. If you have any hesitation or difficulty connecting with loving kindness, then bring to mind some living being or even even plants that brings that up in the mind. Or acts of kindness. Either kindness that you've shared or shown to others or acts of kindness that have come to you. Get that sense of loving kindness in one quarter of the area, perhaps the front side, all the area in front of you. And then you invite the filling, the pervading of the second quarter. And the third one. And the fourth one. So that meta is all around you. And then above you. And below you. And you can get a sense for the protection that this provides. This sweet, loving, kind feeling, energy, intention. Around you and everywhere, and to all beings, and to yourself. This loving kindness shines on everyone like the sun, regardless, unconditional. And then we abide well, pervading the entire world with loving kindness. Just filling and spreading, not
0: something we are pushing out or broadcasting, but
1: It's just naturally flowing out. Flowing in all directions. Like the rays of the sun. abundant, exalted, and immeasurable. And with that loving kindness still there, we bring in <clears throat> we bring in a sense of compassion. imbuing the mind with compassion. A tenderness for all the suffering there is. All the discomfort. But it just begins in the mind. And we fill one quarter with that mind imbued with compassion. knowing that this is a great gift for the world and for ourselves to feel compassion for all those difficulties and challenges, losses. I wish for that dukkha to be relieved pervading one quarter and then the second quarter with compassion. And then spreading that or allowing it to fill the third quarter. And the fourth. So it's all around you. This felt sense of compassion. And above you, spread it down below you, around and everywhere. To all all beings and to yourself. We all suffer. We all experience loss. But this compassion is something we can all understand. With kindness as an underlying basis. It's a kind of sweetness, comfort, real caring, a beautiful gift. And we can let that felt sense of compassion build and increase and Overflow into the rest of the world. Pervading the all encompassing world with this mind imbued with compassion. immeasurable, boundless, a truly unlimited supply. Abundant and exalted, and then we invite in detail that joy for all that's good, virtue, kindness. good fortune. All the good that comes into your life and into the lives of others, people keeping precepts, being generous, the joy, the appreciation for all that is wholesome. And this joy Fills the line, and then we pervade one quarter, and then the second quarter. And the third quarter is Mudita. And the fourth quarter. And everywhere above you. And everywhere below you.
0: So that this joy, this appreciation of goodness
1: is everywhere, all around, and extended to all beings, everyone and to yourself, really appreciating your own goodness. Your good actions, your encouraging, kind speech, your good thoughts, your good mental attitudes and intentions. all around, above, below, and everywhere until all is to yourself. abundant, exalted, immeasurable, boundless, stretching out to the whole world in every direction. Deep appreciation of the good, the wholesome, the truly beautiful. And then we invite in equanimity, the evenness of mind, the balance, the wisdom, the knowing, that quality that sees through all of the the changes, the instability, the good and the bad. This is a beautiful quality that can hold everything. And we imbue the mind with this equanimity. And then pervade one quarter, perhaps everywhere in front of you, with this felt sense of equanimity, peace, stability. Resting on kindness, compassion, and joy, compassion, and joy. And then filling, pervading the second quarter. And the third quarter. And the fourth. fully, completely surrounding you. Spraying above you. And below you. Peace and balance, stability, equanimity, and to all as to yourself. And then we pervade the all-encompassing world with equanimity, where nothing's left out, everything is held with a deep understanding. Comes in the world with this mind imbued with equanimity, boundless, exalted. Immeasurable, encompassing everything, allowing everything. And knowing the real value. The truth. That all of these qualities are available. All the time. And bring a quality of of love and inspiration to this world, to this existence. It provides healing and safety and protection and peace. and real happiness. And we can just breathe into this experience of the Brahma Vihara's and return our awareness to our own heart. Peace and content. Well,
0: I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a succinct message because <laughs> I want to give you a chance to talk, uh, share what you'd like to share. Um, I was actually asked to talk about rigidity and this experience of coming to empty cloud. And, you know, it's a very common experience in monastic life. Um, stay in different communities or you travel to different places and, you know, enter a monastery, you've been a monastic maybe for a number of years and, you know, every place does things a little bit differently and depending on who's staying there at the time, even if you know the place, it's different every time. And one of the things that it really can put up Put a spotlight on is any any rigidity that we have, no lack of flexibility, Um, those ideas of where we think we know what's right, the right way to do things, or how things should be. And actually, the person who asked me if I would talk about rigidity said that they had this experience of buying, a, do uh, you know, what an external hard drive is <laughs> I mean, it's probably by now. Um, but you know, a piece of technical, technical equipment used to store files, etc. And they shortly after they bought it, they found out that the company they had bought it from had been, um, fine. they had to pay a huge fine to the. US government because they had set, sold like uh, thousands of these products to to China and this was this product was banned. this technology was banned um, um, as an export to China. And so this person thought, oh, no, I should take this thing back. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that. And then they then they started thinking about, well, if I do that, then there's all the added cost of sending it and the energy that gets consumed. That's bad for the climate and, you know, on and on. And and then. um recognizing that there was a fair bit of rigidity in the way that they were thinking, like, you know, our views, our opinions, our analysis, our, when our values and where is the, you know, the wisdom or the, what is the right thing to do? It's not always the same answer all the time, right? It doesn't mean that morality is um, wishy-washy. That's not the, that's not the message. want to keep those precepts, <laughs> those five precepts, Lillian and I will have a conversation later <laughs> about this. It's interesting thinking about what does it mean to, to be too rigid or not firm enough? And how do we know? And, you know, we can really, um, really look at that, especially among good friends who have a lot of wisdom and practice uh, in their experience and a real dedication to what's wholesome. Because sometimes, you know, things aren't ideal. Um, you can have certain situations, like even, even a situation, um, where you have to turn someone away from the monastery for some reason. It's not what you want to do, but it's not the right place for them. And that can be very challenging, very, very difficult and yet correct. So, this whole idea of, you know, where are we in our own thinking, in our own conditioning, locked into an ideal or an idea? And we've touched on this before sometimes. But, uh, but one of the things that's really been coming up the last few days is are these views that we have, especially the assumptions we've made about ourselves, I think that we don't really, we aren't really aware of. And they can get highlighted through the interactions with others, especially if people are honest with us about what they are seeing or what they're experiencing in us. And I think back, you know, now I'm I'm around some people who are early in their training. And after you've been around a while and you you could see, you know, the things that you know that they're gonna have to change. And then I look back at myself and I think of myself in those early years of training and and I can remember things that senior people were telling me, and you don't quite get it. (laughs) You know, maybe they're not saying it directly, or maybe they even are, but you don't quite get it because you get this view um, or this conditioning that that says, you know, this is the right way to be. Um, maybe that's pushing yourself forward or holding yourself, you know, um, back or whatever. Whatever it is, it doesn't. There's no, there's no um, perfect playbook. But it's more about the rigidity, the holding on to, and not shifting with the appropriateness of the moment. Like again, and not talking about morality, fudging morality at all, but all those other areas of how to let go and 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 actually open ourselves up to greater opportunities of understanding others and ourselves. And I think the biggest flag is when we get irritated or um, self righteous. That's probably the easiest place to look at whether or not we've become rigid around something, whether or not we are really putting our, if we're really um, able to see where somebody else is coming from, um, to understand their good intentions. I think I'm going to just open it up here and see if any thoughts have come to your mind or questions. on the meditation, on this topic, or on anything else? Yes. Memo Esperanza.
2: Thank you, Aya. Um, It's uh, during this week, I've been thinking about asking this question, and after these meditations that just make make me feel peaceful. It's it's really hard to sometimes to ask them, but uh, this type of, of questions. But what I find is that in my regular practice, for instance, um, in my day to day practice, I I find it hard sometimes to practice with the Brahma Viharas because um, I feel this sense, and, and 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 I've been investigating, and I think the reason is that I feel this sense of vulnerability because I'm opening my heart, I'm opening my mind, even to feelings that I don't want to feel and 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 to th- things that I don't want to think. And uh, I, I've been reflecting on that. And probably that's one of the reasons that I don't regularly practice the Brahma Viharas. And I I try and uh, uh, and I want to practice more with the Brahma Viharas because I know they're very, very beneficial for me. Um, so I want to to ask for some advice or, or, or any insight that you might have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it sounds like while you're practicing,
2: sorry, yeah. thoughts
0: and feelings come up that are challenging.
1: Hmm.
0: It sounds like while you're practicing, the thoughts and feelings come up that are challenging, and it is true. Um, I just spoke with someone this morning who has been practicing quite a while and there's some old trauma that's surfacing and they're finding it really difficult to even just meditate, you know, just, they don't, every time um, these things come up and they're, they're, uh, they're scary (laughs) and uncomfortable. And, and of course we all really know kind of at a conscious level that, you know, we have to go through these. We can't, we can't just like um, bypass them somehow. So the question is, you know, how? And, and it, you, most of you probably would guess, I, I recommended that they look at the book Focusing. I recommended that they look at Feeding Your Demons because, and they had never heard of either of these books before and the person's a therapist. So they're going to, they're going to benefit a lot. From looking at these other methods, finding a way, a back door uh, to be with those feelings and those memories. And so what I would recommend is taking a session where you're not really trying to meditate, but you're intentionally bringing up those feelings or intentionally bringing up that, that kind of memory, and then just really focusing on how it feels in your body. You know, write down maybe what that memory is or write down what that feeling is, and then really observe it in the body, face it head on. And the person I talked to this morning, sounds like that could be really hard because you know, who knows what we're going to remember from who knows when. As I said to this person, you know, this might be something that's repeated itself many lifetimes over in our experience. So sometimes if, it, if it's um, really challenging to stay present with it and sit with it. So what happens here is that when we turn and face it, it loses power. I don't know if I don't know when the last time was I used this simile, but when I was a girl, I used to ride horses and I had this horse that was really well trained and very um, spunky. And we would be running. and these out in the country, a lot of times there are dogs that run in packs. And these dogs would come out and chase us. And we would, and she was a quarter horse, so she could really turn. And we would whip around and she'd put her head down and she'd charge them. And they would just be gone. (laughs) That was it. And this is kind of what we need to do ourselves. We turn towards it and we charge it. Face it, be with it. It's like, I'm really going to be with you. And you show me what you've got. Feelings, memories, show me what you've got. Uh, you're equipped with virtue and Dhamma practice. And then being present with it and, and also bringing a, a sense of kindness to it. You can bring the Brahma Viharas to it and and hold it in that way. And if that's too difficult on our own, sometimes we, it's helpful to find uh, somebody who can guide us through that and be there with us. So that's, that's what I would do. And, and then it won't be long before it's not um, challenging at all for those things to arise or they just stop coming. Thank you, Laya. Let me know how it goes. <sighs> That's really
3: helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. Kimatana. Thank you, Aya. Um, you may have just answered my question. Um but speaking on, on rigidity, uh <laughs> I it, you know, a friend and a, a couple of friends and I, we were talking about about cake and ice cream. And <laughs> And he was talking about how he likes to mix his, his ice cream and his cake together. And it's just this big treat. And I'm like, no, he, <laughs> the, the, the ice cream will make the cake all soggy and just gross. And it just, and, it, you know, and, you know, I started thinking about that, that kind of view point, uh, you know, just having like, I really like things to, uh, he called me a purist. <laughs> 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 I'm like, well, you know, pie and ice cream goes well together, but not cake and ice cream. You know, it was just this, it kind of got me thinking about like how I, um, you know, hold on to these views kind of really rigidly. Um, uh, It it was a really good example. Um, You know, uh, I've also kind of been thinking here lately about, uh, you know, others, you know, how other people suffering, the suffering of others. Um, And... One thing that that that's that has been coming up in meditation quite a bit is the first noble truth that, that there is suffering, and I've been thinking about that. I haven't really you know formulated a lot of thoughts or, or reflections about that, but I've been kind of thinking about this this idea that there is suffering um, uh, kind of uh, just a quick uh, topic change um there uh, the this idea of, of the practicing the brahma viharas i I've also noticed that. Um, there's a lot of resistance to practicing them because, um, you know, there's there's this fear that that if you know these past circumstances that that I've been through. Uh, were to happen again and I am and I really kind of give into the this this idea of of loving kindness and compassion and so on, so on, that I'll I'll kind of become soft and I won't be able to withstand all those bad and negative things that that if, if they were to occur again. So I kind of hold on to this this kind of um this this hardness and this tightness because it's what helped me kind of survive in the past. But um and and i've really had i really um have had a, a kind of a difficult time um just letting go of that i haven't let go of that at all it still it still comes up over and over and over again and um i'm not sure if that you answered that question with memo but um uh yeah that's been my experience with it thank you
0: yeah thank you Kamatana. i i think there's more to it given what you've just shared and that's where equanimity comes in like even as I was offering the guidance, I could feel the shift in how it felt when we went from appreciative joy to equanimity. It's kind of like Neil shared last time the the loving kindness and the compassion and the appreciative joy all have this kind of emotional gooey feeling. He didn't use the word gooey i'm adding that <laughs>
1: but and then equanimity is like this it's just kind of almost cold
0: it isn't but it's like you know and i i feel like the 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 an, the answer if you will or an approach to this feeling of hey i, I got to really keep up my guard I can't let this down. And of course, what we're guarding, when we guard the heart, we're imprisoning it and we're holding back. But what we need is the strength that really comes from clarity. Really clear. The equanimity has this wisdom. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like a knife. You know, it's, it it has the the clarity. So it's the clarity, the wisdom that keeps us safe. Actually, the, the Brahma Viharas keep us safe. I mean, the Buddha said, you know, if you would tell the monks, they're in this haunted forest and they're terrified. And he says, you get to practice metta. That will protect you. So instead of it making us all gooey and... The thing that the thing that we think is going to happen is that the mind will get fuzzy, cloudy, like a kind heart somehow makes us stupid or unaware or just kind of like not really present, but that that we also need that clarity, that that real, decisive um, knowing what's wholesome and what's unwholesome. And then we we almost have an automatic response to what's unwholesome. We we retract. We recoil. There's this story, I heard it repeated um, the other day by one of by a monk. When the Buddha met up with this yaka, this yakas yeah, are um, heavenly beings that um, you know, are uh, pretty, pretty ugly and smelly and, you know, nasty. <laughs> and not all of them all the time. But this particular one was and he, he met with the he, the Buddha met up with his yaka and the Buddha stepped back. And the yaka is like, yeah, what kind of a Buddha are you? You're like going to recoil from, you know, like you're something like that. And the Buddha was like, hey, you know, the repulsiveness just naturally causes someone to pull away. It's not like, you know, it's like. I don't know. I'm not, know i am not telling this story very well, but I think you get the idea. And, and, and it's, it's like, we want to work on our clarity that our softness of heart doesn't mean that the mind becomes fuzzy. We still see, and the more clearly we see and, and the more fully we embody the Brahma Vihara is the better, the best protection. It's a best protection. Because when we're rigid, and there's an edge to us, then that calls forth the edge in others. And that's not what we want to evoke. I don't know. Did that make sense?
3: Yeah, yeah, it made a lot of sense. Uh, and I, I really appreciate your answer. Um, one, one day, uh, you know, I, I guess my follow up question, and I know we're almost out of time, and there's other people uh, want to ask questions, but uh, one day, um, it would be nice to hear kind of uh, a little um uh, you kind of expound on the idea of like how metta is protective and how the Brahma Biharas are protective. That that would be, uh, I would be very interested in hearing more about that. Or if you can offer maybe a couple of suttas that that kind of um, maybe talk a little bit more about that, that would be really helpful. I think. Thank you.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Yeah. Danny.
4: Hi, um, I, uh Himatana, I I just love your your share because it gave me something to to some joy that I'll carry with me. And that is when you said uh, I was talking to a friend about, and I expected to hear about uh, Brahma Viharas or the Noble Truth. And you said, "Take an ice cream." And <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> I just wasn't expecting that. And it was so delightful to see to to, to see how how in ordinary things all of these thing, these deep things come up. It's not just cake and ice cream, but it's like rigidity. I so thank you so much for that. Uh, and I was thinking like uh as through the meditation, I kept thinking like, oh yeah, I know a lot of people who are really rigid, and they're <laughs> not thinking that, oh, that very opinion shows my rigidity, is because I I react in such a rigid way to when I other perceive others beh- behaving that way. And I'm the one. I can't change them. I, and I and I react in what you just said, like in a kind of a sharp way, and uh, so uh, so. Th- thank you so much, all of you. This is great.
1: Thank you, Denny.
5: Cynthia. Um, yeah, this is my, well. First of all, I want to say, following on um, Denny's comments, I I realized at some point. With somewhat of a shock, that I'm probably on some people's list of difficult people when they do their meta practice. <laughs> anyway, but um when you this this kind of relates to the story about the the pack of dogs and the horses, and the horse that I've had this experience a couple a few times in the last several weeks where I'll be there'll be some unpleasant feeling some the de- depression or aversion or something coming up and my normal you know reaction is to okay how can i make this go away but then but then somehow what's been happening lately and it just sort of happened spontaneously is i it's like i'm like i turn around in my mind and i say where is it you know where is this feeling that i think is so big and and difficult and you know I look in my body and sometimes there's a little contraction and sometimes there doesn't seem to be much of anything and and I look in the mind and it's some vague little thought or you know and it's it's like it's like poof it just disappears and it's quite amazing so not really a question but just well that's great
0: thank you Cynthia exactly yeah. All of this sharing is so
1: helpful. Thank you. Yeah, Lillian.
6: Hi. Um, yeah. Reflecting on what you said about rigidity and sort of what's going on with me working with guarding my sense, sense doors, and yet at the same time, opening my heart. So recently I encountered this eight year old girl and. She's just teaches me these lessons so well, how to balance the two and having clarity. There's something about children, their innocence, how open they are, and yet how how they see situations, especially adult situations, with such direct clarity. It's just fascinating to me. Now, this little girl is going through a really tough divorce between her parents. She's back and forth between the two, but yet she's always so happy and sweet and it, I just, she's just so inspirational to me. And and I, I learned a lot from children, you know, about what to do with just keeping my sila and not, not be so rigid and not turn this practice into dogma. And I was going to give an example, but it's slipping my mind. Oh, yes. So recently, um, my vocal coach, he's very theater type performance kind of actor, kind of guy. And he's like, you're a Buddhist and you have all these rules. Are you, do you ever have fun? Like, <laughs> do you do anything for fun? I'm like, yeah, we could stay up as long as we want. You know, if if we're meditating or listening to a Dhamma talk, there are all sorts of fun things one can do as a Buddhist, you know? And that's always been how I uplift my spirits and keep my practice. Because I, I mean... I guess fun is not the right uh, adjective, but there are ways like um and um you know Banti Anario also said uplifting the heart with joy. There are ways to delight the heart, um, mm-hmm. achieve joy in our practice. And that always keeps me on the straight and narrow. So that that is all I have to say.
1: Yeah, thank you, Lily. Yeah, it's the real fun. <laughs> Um, there was
0: one more hand up did you go away because of the time I think we could stretch this a couple minutes if you want to say something no okay
1: alright then
4: thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash do oh, no. it?